may be around the world, and thank you for joining us once again on truthtou.org. That's truth number two, letter u.org. It's season two of Torah Pearls. I'm Jono, and joining me in the virtual Truth To You studio all the way from Indonesia is the author of Let's Get Biblical, Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah, Volumes 1 and 2. You can get a copy from his website, outreachjudaism.org. That's outreachjudaism.org. Welcome back to the program, Rabbi Tobias Singer. Great to be back. Thank you. Wonderful to have you, my friend. And I am excited because we are in Balach. That's Numbers chapter 22, verse 2 to 25, verse 9. This is one of my favorite Torah portions. Why? Because it's exciting. It's a great story in this there's so much in it. It's, it's a very intriguing uh, portion of the Torah. It's, it's unique. It, 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 it's unique in that, well, there's a number of classical reasons why it's unique. It's the only portion of the Torah that's named after a wicked person to begin oh, with. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, which means there, 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 there's something to be derived here. It's a strange portion. If you look in a Torah scroll... Because it's one long, unending connecting connection. Just so people get it, that when you're reading your Bible and you have your chapter breaks, those chapter breaks are artificial. The real chapter breaks, the biblical chapter breaks that are in a Torah scroll, happen with an open end, which means at the end of a line it stops and continues. The next line is there's a space. It's called open and close. Here it's one long piece that moves through. It's really fascinating. And the portion ends in a very strange way because the end of this portion, at first glance, looks like it really should belong in the next portion. Mm. How did that ending get here? It seems like... True. It, what it, we'll get to that soon. Mm. But, but that's the beginning of chapter twenty. When twenty-five, chapter twenty-five starts, it it really does seem like we're starting the next Torah portion. But we will get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So we will. I mean, um, and, and, and the, the Torah portion begins, of course, with Balak, who is um, a, a king uh, of the the Amorites, who wishes to curse Israel and. One of the, the points, and of course, Bilaam is going to wind up just blessing Israel. Let me read Go it. Ahead. You can interrupt Go me. Let, let, it starts like this. Now, Balak, the son of Zippor, said, uh, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were so many, and Moab was sick with dread. That's an interesting description were, I have. Of they you. were petrified, and that's the they connection between this portion and the last. So they were they were sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, "That means the Jews just one destroyed their military foes. Mm. The, there's very good reason why uh, an Amorite king would be absolutely petrified. He's petrified that what happened at the end of the last portion is yeah. now in, inevitably going to happen to him, whether his land would be overrun or completely isolated into a canton. But he wants to curse the Jewish people. Go ahead. And he's freaking out at the, uh, uh, the just the immense number of them. And it says now, so Moab said to the elders of Midian. So this is actually a very intriguing thing here. And that is that they actually Moab and the Midianites did not like each other. They don't have a right. they don't have a happy history together. But sometimes and this is so everything we're reading in the Bible is so alive today. And that is sometimes Hamas will actually work together with Hezbollah, even though mm-hmm. they hate each other, mm-hmm. but for the purpose of 
of cursing the Jews or destroying Israel, they will they will ally themselves. I'll never forget the 1980s, my favorite war in recent history yes. in Iran and Iraq, <laughs> like uh, fighting throughout the Reagan administration. That was a terrific war, and right. but occasionally uh, the Iranians and the Iraqis would get up and say, "Well, maybe let's stop." fighting each other and and fight our real enemy israel and then mm. i'd go oh no don't like mm. and then i i'd want to send saddam hussein a message saying do you know what the iranians just said about your mother yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i wish both of you much success in Hatzlacha yes. and fight to the last man and we're seeing that around us where really you have different groups and the middle east is a, a, a very clannish it's families mm. it's tribals, the difference between a Shia and a Sunni, which is not germane to this, but believe me, it began over a, a dumb political argument, and they, they kill each other, but for the sake of going to war with Israel, they'll they'll work with each other. Enemies... They'll, they'll put their differences aside oh, and yeah. work with each oh, other yeah. to go against Israel. We're yeah. watching that in Syria right now. But, you know, Hashem does it that he puts the enemies to war with each other so the Jews can yep. sit back and relax a little bit. So, now, you'll notice that the Midianites are... The Midianites are important here also, one, one thing, mm-hmm. and that is the Midianites would have inside information, and that's why they would be consulted. They would be consulted because Moses spent his childhood among the Midianites. So the Midianites could provide information of what kind of person is Moses. What are Mm -hmm. we up against there? So the Midianites are going to help out a little bit, but they are going to go very soon, I am out of here. They're going to disappear within a few passages, and they'll come up back again, which means they're done with this, and they don't they don't believe. It. But right there, we see that little tweak. There's nothing extra in the yeah, text. That's right. So it says, and Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox, as an ox licks up the grass of the fields. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messages to Bilam, the son of Beor, at Petor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people. This is, we're talking about the Euphrates, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to call him saying, look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and they're settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you, whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. Now stop there for a second. So we're talking about uh, Bilam, the son of Beor. He, he who he blesses is blessed and he who uh, he curses is cursed. Tobias. Yeah, I, it's impossible not to read that passage and, uh, and go, wait, I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. That, that is a maxim, one of the most famous in Torah, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Yes. That uh, And what we're going to see is a lot of Bilaam doing a lot of the things that Abraham is doing. In the moment, yes. we're going to see Bilaam coming in on a donkey, having two lads with him. Abraham is doing that. But this contrast is not missed by our sages, where mm-hmm. we have one guy who's running, you know, one guy who's running to curse Israel or to carry this out, mm-hmm. and Abraham who's running to be faithful to the God of Israel. Yes. So that juxtaposition in this language here is very 
very, very useful. Okay, so verse 7. The elders of Moab and the elders of Mijan departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Bilam and spoke to him the words of Balak. Yeah, and I just want to just uh, a point there, and that is, yeah. uh, if you notice that the Midianites are not really convinced of Bilam's abilities. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're suspect about it. And that's why they're going, they're going, okay, uh, you're saying this Bilam is a, a prophet of sorts or whatever, he has special powers, but we're going to bring along our charms. Just <laughs> mm. So they're, they're coming with extra stuff, the backup uh, charms, and, and you're going to see they're going to disappear in a moment because mm-hmm. uh, they come to Bilam and continue. And they spoke, and they spoke the words of Balak, and, uh, and he said to them, uh, Bilam said to them, lodge here tonight, and I'll bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Bilam. Now the Lord is speaking now, to Now notice Tobia. who didn't stay. Midian is gone. They gone. just evaporated and they are gone out of the portion. That's Good all point. they needed to hear is stay away. All right, the guys are fraud. I'm gone. So that's okay. it. So Midian is out. So. He's out. And then God God came to Bilam and said, who are these men with you? So Bilam said to God, well, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, Moab, has sent to me saying, look, the people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth. Now come and curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Bilam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. How unambiguous could that be? I want to just repeat this word. Pretty, pretty clear. I mean, not... I mean, so I'm doing. I have a an agenda here, and that is: look at the words that God said. Do not go with them. That's big sign. There's no. There's no, there's no room. There's no, for, there's no wiggle room. room there, and it's very no. clear. God says, "Don't go with." Don't them. do it. Like, like so, don't curse these people. because they are blessed. Now, blessed. I, I, I do. I'm reiterating that because you're going to already you're going to miss it if you don't see how Bilam <laughs> says. Okay, this is what God tells me. He doesn't reiterate that in the way God said it. He reiterates it differently. Go ahead. So he says. <laughs> Bilam rose in the morning and said to the prince of Balak, go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go yeah, with you. He d- oh, so that is like very, well, he didn't give me permission. It's not, he. That's, that is so passive. He didn't give me permission, okay? He didn't say God said is forbidden to go. He didn't say God said do not curse them because they are blessed. Look at the difference between how Bilam is. Do you know what the difference is? I'll tell you what the difference is. The difference is he's leaving the door open for negotiation thinking I can get something more out of this. If I tell them it's case closed, I may not see them again, but if I leave the door open just a little bit. And why does he want to see them again? What what is he after? Well, they'll come back with a better offer. A better offer. And there's going to be a hint. There's going to be a wink, wink in a moment. There's a wink, wink. Very And so verse 14. I am, aren't I? And the princes of Moab and went to Balak and said, Balaam, refu- Balaam refuses to come with us. And then uh, Balak sent again princes more numerous and more honorable than they. And they came to Bilam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. I will certainly gl- honor you greatly. 
and I will do I'll do whatever you say to me. Please, therefore, come and curse these people for me. But uh, Bilam answered and said to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me. Now, this is here's the here's the hint. Yeah, here's now, the wink, wink. <laughs> here it is. Though Balak were to give me his house full of gold and silver, silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God. The Lord my God is what he says to do less or more. Now, therefore, please. Now, interesting. Now, therefore, please. You also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say. Yeah, to we, how other. did that come in? <laughs> like, <Hey>. so, <laughs> so first you have this thing is Bullock. He he is he, I mean there there are no really attractive personalities there. Just one is worse uh, than the other. This is a con- yeah. this is like the Olympics for the you know for the most nefarious character. So and they're and they are each trying to exploit each other here. So he's going uh, if, even if you give me a little gold and silver, I won't do it. But I, well, I'll go back to God again. But just get it because I just we want to walk this back. Bullock yeah. has said to Billum. I'll give you a lot of honor. Like, but, you know, and, and Billum is going, like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, what, what am I going to pay my, I'm going to pay my resume. mortgage with your honor? <laughs> like, what is you going to give me like a big certificate with, a, with a ribbon CV. on it? Like, yeah. what's that? You know? So <laughs> now, and here we have a very interesting thing. So let, 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 it, let us continue. So, okay. So he, so he leaves the door open just a jar in verse 19 and continues. It says in 20, God came to Bilam and, at night and said to him, if, if, if the men come to you and they come and call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. There is a word here. I just um, want to point out. It came up earlier and I, I pointed this out. It's very, oh. the Hebrew is critical here. And, and God said to him, you know, if they'll call, that means, if you really want to do this, and it's the same language that with the spies, because again, we what we did when we were back with the difficult story of the spies is we had to take the beginning of Deuteronomy to fill in all the spaces that the people want the spies. Moses is, has a, a sacred thought of, all right, if I just say, sure, go up and down the land, they'll go, oh, if you're not confident, we don't have to go. But God said to Moses, if for you, that means if you guys need it, and that's the exact same word. So the word lechoy is, if it's, you know, if you really want to go ahead with this, and that's that kind of language, exact same word for you. you right. You want to let me, go ahead. Let me quiz you. Let me quiz you on that. Let me let me just see if I get this straight in my head because what I'm what I'm seeing in verse twenty, God says to Bilam at night, if the men come to call you, okay, so go with them. Like I've got a plan, and if they come to call you, okay, go with it. However, what we see in the next verse, it, it, we don't see that the men came to call Bilam. What we see is that he rose early in the morning oh, and settled his yeah. donkey ready to go. Oh well, yeah, he was ready to pack and go. He just wanted that green light. He sent the message to Bullock of what what is important mm-hmm. to him. Don't I'm not interested in ribbons or having a a street boulevard or mall named after me. What am I supposed to do with that? How does that help my bank account? I want your house. But the moment all he's gold. going yeah. is give me a squint, something that I could saying to God, you know, something that I can. And God said, oh. now from this our sages tell us that the which means 
that if in the in there's a very famous maxim, and that is in the way that a person wishes to go, so God helps them along. If a person wants to do something faithful, wants to, God helps them. If a person wants to sin, God will say, "All right, let me open the door for you to open the sin." I'm still going to try to give you free will along the way, but if that's what you want to do, go right okay. ahead. So now this is the, now this is the, but the reason why I ask is because from this point on, from 22 on, we have to try and reconcile what just went on in the previous verses with what's about to happen. Uh, shall I continue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means what happens is so it's so closely mirrors Abraham and his test. Mm-hmm, that means sure. that he's he's uh, he's you know I bless so bless you. We see that. We go away. It's a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. You know. And then you see that he goes with his donkey, and not only he yep. saddles his donkey in the morning, and he has the donkey, and he has the two the 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 people with him, the shnei. Look at the end of verse twenty-two. Ushnei noravimo. It's exactly. So the Torah is, this is like, what is the purpose of those two servants there? That's if if you didn't get it yet, I I want to, you know, I'd never, I'd never thought about that before until you mentioned it. Yeah. That means, what is it? That means where do they come up again? That means that's Hmm. completely vestigial. And like, why does he have to get up in the morning? Is it really important to tell us he got up at six in the morning versus three 30 in the afternoon? What is that? That's vestigial, but it isn't. It's therefore don't miss it. Wink. This right. is to be juxtaposed against Abraham. I mean, and we have, of course, Abraham, who is the beloved patriarch, the one God mm. calls my friend. Mm. Bilam, incidentally, is named in the Talmud as one of a, a handful of people who have no place in the world to come. Completely, well, yeah. I mean, he's completely, absolutely irredeemable. Um, be, I, we'll delve into that as we get yeah, on, yeah, as yeah, we yeah. continue on. All right, so in verse 22, it says, God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as a Satan against him. A little, little sudden, also, I don't want to use a the word Satan here, but actually... Well, no, I mean, it's in the, it's in the Hebrew, isn't it? But no, the word no, that's used there let's, is adversary. It, no, to impede him. That's how you read it, to stop it. But you're brushing over this, right? I mean, because it does say as a satan, right? Is this what it says? Yeah, but that's not how the word should be real. The satan right, but, it, means but explain that. To, okay, so the word means... Because you understand why, why I'm bringing this out, because, of course, uh, a lot of uh, Christians, Messianics, listen to the program that I know that, uh, the, I mean, obviously, throughout Christian theology, uh, the word Good. Satan becomes a personality right. and becomes uh, a devil and case, so on and so forth. Case as a, all right, good. So, Satan comes from the word to impede. So, therefore, that's where the word Satan comes from. It's not like, and his name is Satan. It means to the one who interferes with right. what would ordinarily be the process of only wanting to be with Hashem. That a person today, in order for them to boycott Israel, in order for them to do that, they have to really have chosen evil. There's no. Sure. That means we are living in a time where you can't be gray. It's just the the good and evil is so well defined. Is is so uh, so uh, crystalline. It's so so sharp. Good and evil in the world. That really we are living as we're preparing. Please God for the messianic age. The mm. world is now divided, and now you have to pick sides. There's no one. There is no gray. And those that stand against Israel are standing are acting as, if I can say, acting as a satan against Israel. Right. So, well, so 22, it says, uh, the Lord's anger was aroused because he went and the angel of the Lord stood in his way as an adversary against him and 
Uh, he was riding his donkey, and his two servants were with him, as you mentioned. Now, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside <laughs> out of the way and went into the field. Thought better right. of it. I'm not going to So that the guy. donkey sees, and Bilaam doesn't see. Now, there's something here I say to see about when someone has a taiva, a lust to do something, they they, they, they just, I, I just got to go to the strip club. I, I, whatever it is, I got to do this, commit this sin. It's like, it's so obvious. Do you know the damage you're going to do to your marriage, to your children, to your presidency, to your everything? What do you, but when person, it becomes enveloped in sin and consumed with sin, actually, a donkey could see what you can see. I mean, man. And he was he was determined and he couldn't see it. And uh, and the donkey went away into the fields of Balaam, struck the donkey and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on one side and a wall on the other side. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. She pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to now, turn. Now there's no way to, because there were no children. There are no to children. To the left or to the right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. there's nowhere to go anymore. There nowhere mean, to go. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. <laughs> so Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Now what happens here is the second time that we have a, 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 a something from the animal world communicating with the human world, if I can say it that way. Verse 28, the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said, she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, now it's interesting to me, Toby, first of all, it doesn't seem to be a, an incredible surprise to Balaam that the donkey, donkey's talking to him. He just answers, he says, well, because you have, you've abused me and I, and, and, and I wish there was a sword in my hand for now yeah. I would kill you. Now that just a thought on that. Yeah. You remember when you were a kid, right? right. There was, there was Francis, the talking mule. There was Mr. Ed, Mr. The, Ed the talking horse. Sure, you remember that? Yes. Now I would have thought, now they were, they raked in a lot of money. Everyone loves a talking horse or a talking mule. Yeah. And I would have thought that someone who was so money hungry, like Bilam, would have thought, hey, you're worth gold. Let's go back. Let's start a show. I'll put you in a circus. We'll have a talking mule. But he doesn't do that. What he says is, he said, if, if I had a sword, I'd run you through right now. And so the donkey said to Balaam, I am not, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours? To this day, was I ever disobedient, disposed to do this to yeah. you? And he, and he said, no. Right. Now, now, God is admonishing him. We're seeing, seeing here how foolhardy Balaam is because here God performs an extraordinary miracle in that an animal is given the power of speech, right? So hmm. if such is the case, what is being conveyed? there let's stop for a moment if an animal who can't speak god gives the power of speech and not only that the donkey is making a heck of a lot more sense than billam is and and therefore Hmm. if a beast could express itself intelligently uh, surely could you billam not act in a way that's reckless and realizing that even your donkey gets it can't you Hmm. the clear point is that a donkey that's speaking let's try to get away from this very unique situation Mm. uh, never to repeat it in history that I'm aware of but if a donkey is speaking, Bill should have gone, God is waking me up. You know, it's like you want to go sin and sleep with someone else's husband or wife. Mm. God only knows. And you get into your car 
and darn it, the, the battery is dead. <laughs> so like you hail a taxi, and the wheel of the taxi goes flying over the taxi. Off. Like, wake up, buddy. Hello. Hello. Sure. And uh, this is a man who is not, uh, it's not strange for him to experience the supernatural, evidently. It, uh, he converses with God. Although, I'll just mention this. I'll say, just tell us that. See, Billum, in a way, just to explain, because people are going, where's Billum prophet? Where does he stand in his prophecy? Mm-hmm. So in a way, he actually is not a person who encountered angels routinely. And we see also in the Bible that Billum was someone who, the Bible tells us, engaged in sorcery as well. Yes. And yeah, we find true. that later on in Scripture. Mm. So Billum is, had one thing that Moses did not have, because the Bible tells us that Moses was the greatest prophet among Israel. That's at the end of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. The Talmud has a question. Terry doesn't could have just said he's the biggest prophet in the world. Like why Israel? Why that modifi- modification? Because Bilam had the ability to detect that there is a moment when God's anger is great and the judgment, the 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 children, and not just the children of Israel, but mankind is more vulnerable for the to receive the recompense of its iniquity. And Bilam actually knew when this moment is. He was able to sniff this out. And which was something that he, that was the edge he had over Moses. We're going to see that actually implied in the text very shortly where Bilaam could could sense this as well. But Bilaam did not, was not someone who could uh, recognize angels. One other point this also demonstrates is that angels only took on a human uh, form or a form recognizable when it was necessary. This was not the way angels normally look. People just don't see angels unless the angel needs to appear to someone. And as it turns out, we have a retina and a pupil and a this and that. And it's not designed to see radio waves or internet signals. Mm-hmm. It's also not designed to see angels. And therefore, the angel has to do something to be seen. The The animal recognizes uh, ha- is aware of something that Balaam is not. There it is. And uh, verse 31, the Lord opened Balaam's eyes mm. and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face as he would. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come to stand, uh, come out to stand against you. And there's that word again, yes. uh, Satan, to stand against you. Uh, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I surely would have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam, <laughs> Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. I did not know that you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, then I'll turn back. But the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I say to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Tobia. No, this is in in the middle of something very special. Just so you know, I have to connect it to what we're about to read, but of course, God wanted Bilaam to be blessing the nation of Israel. In fact, Bilaam's blessings, some of the blessings are so famed, so precious, so dear, that they are like Matovu, how beautiful are your tents, O Jacob, or the opening prayers. Verse 36, now when Balak heard that Bilam was coming, he went out to meet him uh, at the city of Moab, which is on the border of Ammon and the boundary of the territory. Uh, then Balak said 
to Bilam, did I not earnestly send for you and calling for you? Why did why didn't you come? And and uh, you know, don't you think that I'm able to honor you? And Bilam says to Balak, "Look, I'm I'm here now, <laughs> you know." But he said, "Understand that I can't just say anything. The word that God puts in my mouth, that is what I must speak." So Bilam went with Balak, and they came to Kiryat Huzot. And then Balak offered oxen and sheep, and he sent some uh, to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. Now, he's, he's made sacrifices. He's offering uh, clean seven, animals. Seven sacrifices he's offering, bringing sacrifices. So, they're, they're mimicking this for a purpose of producing a result uh, mm-hmm. that would be favorable. None of this is going to work because, again, the mistake is, oh, the, the blood isn't what's important. It's the intent and who's bringing it. Mm-hmm. You know, when, mm-hmm. when, when Jacob erected an altar, it was not that he thought that the altar would save him or the sacrifice would save him. It was his expression of the awareness that he had encountered God. The sacrifice is the awareness of your perfection. It in itself intrinsically does nothing and could mislead you as Jeremiah, unfortunately, he warns the Jews in Jeremiah 7, stop with this sacrifice business, you don't get it. And they mm-hmm. didn't get in the temples destroyed. This is the theme that's going to come up always. But they think, oh, yeah, blood, blood, blood's real important here. So that's what they're doing in verse 41. So the next day that, um, that Balak mm-hmm. took Bilam and brought him up to the high places of Baal, and from there that he might observe the extent of the people. Bilam said to Balak, build seven altars for me here and prepare for me seven bulls and seven rams. Um, Balak did as Bilam had spoken, and Balak and Bilam offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Bilam said to Balak, Stand by your burnt offering. I will go. Perhaps, perhaps the Lord will come to me, and uh, whatever He shows me, I will tell you. So he went to a uh, to a. It says a desolate height, mm-hmm. and God met Bilam, and He said to him, "I have prepared uh, the seven altars, and I, you know, I offered a bull and a ram on each of them." The Lord uh, then put a word in Bilam's mouth and said, "Return back to Balak, and thus you shall speak." So he returned to him, and he took up his oracle and said. Balak, king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. Toby. You don't know. The word Mishlo is a parable. Parable. Yeah. Oracle. Parable. We, okay. we, have, a, we have a book called Mishlo. There it is. Okay. How, how shall I curse uh, whom God has not cursed and how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? And from the tops, uh, top of the rocks I see him and from the hills I, uh, the hills I behold him. There a people dwelling alone not reckoning itself among the nations, who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. Well, it wasn't, was it? This is a great blessing that the Jewish people are alone. That means that they're unique. Uh, I'm going to rephrase that. The Jewish people are not governed by the natural forces of the world. And therefore, what happens to other peoples, I mean, I'm sure some of our listeners went to public schools. Did you meet any Moors, Viscops, Yavusi, Jebusites? They're gone. They disappeared. The Jewish people have a covenant. They're unique in the world. They are alone. So there's a double 
point here. They are alone in the world. And my friends, think about where we are today. As we speak, the United Nations, which is literally the representative body of all the world's nations, is, mm. is, is plotting and planning how to destroy Israel. But it is in that lone, that you think, well, being alone is a curse. But the truth is, I'll tell you this, my friends, and those who will be joining us on the tour, one of the things that you will find when we uh, have our Tanakh tour in November is uh, we're going to stand in places throughout Jerusalem, and you're going to gaze your eyes upon the most beautiful city you're, 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 you have ever behold. But you will notice that there are cranes, you know, construction cranes, these mm. giant... Mm. Everywhere you look. Everywhere. So therefore, whereas for any other nation who is completely isolated brings their destruction. Libya, forget about it. Syria, they're, they're, now they're already reading the eulogy for Syria. They're done. Mm. The eye doctor is trying to figure yeah. out a way to get out. But yeah. look what's happened to the Jewish people. We are al- alone in the world, but because Israel realizes it has no friends, it therefore is going, you know what, we're going to carry out the will of God, because what is the point of prostituting ourselves or trying to curry favor with the European Union, with the White House, when they're going to hate us anyway? So it's mm. What's interesting is what is ordinarily a curse for any other nation is a blessing. Now, in, mm. lest you think that I'm, this is some political speech I'm making, think, my friends, back to when Israel, when there wasn't this fantastic BDS, uh, meaning this very strong BDS, and when we had an American president that was favorable to Israel, uh, George W. Bush, and when we had more friends around the world, you know what was happening? I'll tell you, if you weren't there, uh, uh, 25 Jewish communities, four in Samaria, 21 in Gaza, were being destroyed and uprooted in the grown, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a little hilltop next to Beth El was smashed and destroyed, and and you had pe- young men and women, their heads are smashed in. And nothing like that's happening. And they're building everywhere because we're alone. That means the loneliness means that we depend on the God of Israel. And, mm. and that's when we do our best. The worst mm. is, look, I'm sorry, I'll just do this one point. If you look back at history, the worst decisions the Jewish state has made or that we have made as a people is when we have sought out the assistance of other nations that we will make dangerous decisions will be sound as Roosevelt said be quiet till they stop with the whole thing don't make such big noises we'll help you if you make noises then it comes harder for us no mm-hmm. every time we acted as though we need other nations to assist us it's been a disaster and you know when when Menachem Begin God rest his soul when he decided that he that he was going to destroy the Osirk reactor in 1981, he did it. And George H. Bush, the vice president at the time, the father Bush, pounded on, pounded on the table and even suggested that America attack Israel. America actually pa- voted for a general resolution in the UN to condemn Israel. If America, now if Israel hadn't bombed Osirik, 10 years later, uh, Saddam was marching into Kuwait. What would you have done, America, uh, the country that I was born in, if uh, Saddam marches into Kuwait but is a nuclear power? So therefore, all the, th- the great things Israel did, whether they didn't listen to Johnson, 
They didn't listen to Kennedy. And I'm not going to get into John F. Kennedy and so on. But they didn't. It was a blessing when they acted alone, knowing that they could only put their trust in the God of Israel. And when they thought that they could put their trust in other nations, aye, then there's all the disaster because all mm. the nations pull away. So it says in verse 10, just again, let me die. He says, let me die the death of the righteous. Let my end be like his. If we go to uh, Joshua chapter 13, verse 22. Sure. It says, uh, the children of Israel also killed with the sword, Bilam, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, among those who were killed by them. And uh, so he didn't have, <laughs> he didn't enjoy an end, uh, the end that he was hoping no, for. No, he wanted to die the, the, the death, exactly, of the faithful mm. and have a place in the world to come. And again... You know, I always found it interesting. I'm going to share this, and I, I know, I sometimes I wonder what I've said where, because I do a lot of broadcasts. I find it, I'm just going to say this now, and I've been thinking about this for years. You know, when you ask Christians why you, you know, believe in it, they say, I don't want to go to hell. And I always thought, that's pretty selfish. You know, like, that. that's it? Like, not I love God and I want to do it, but like, aren't you afraid of going to hell? I'm going, I would rather be right and be with my people Israel and suffer any torment than spit in the face of God. Why is this such a self-absorbed reward system of going to heaven? Is that so central? You're going to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Is that really what it's about? I mean, you don't hear Jews talk the way that it's not in Scripture, no. but you do see Bilaam talking this way, you see? Oh, true. Well, that's uh, a really good point. Yeah, that yeah. means that, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying Jews do, uh, you know, we do say, I'm not saying that, but you don't hear religious Jews talk this way. Well, I'm mm. going to keep Shabbos because I want to go to heaven. No one talks that mm. way. I want to keep Shabbos because it pleases God. That means there is something, um, there's a solipsis, there's a, there's something very self-serving and I, I want to make sure that I have my IRA taken care of but that means not the and that I mean in America I don't know if they have that in Australia meaning that your investments for your retirement I want to make sure my retirement is taken care of like what, what about giving God a kiss I'm not saying one shouldn't worry about heaven and hell I'm not saying that but given we don't see that kind of language, but look at Billam. Billam, I want to go to heaven. What what a you know what a self-absorbed approach to mm. why you should have a relationship with God because I don't want to go. There, there's we see it there. Like is that it? Like you don't want to go to. But the point is, this is not the way Jews think. We would rather suffer real torment than give up and. On the God of Israel, and that's critical. We would we're willing to endure whatever it takes, and mm -hmm. we're not afraid of you guys in Europe who ref, who will refuse to eat our avocados. That's fine, you know. Right. And actually, that's I'll tell you one other thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, what's on. one other point that's very interesting is that Israel's having all kinds of problems with the West, with our so-called friends, with America. But you know who's like who's like buying Israeli technology and spending a fortune in Israel, India, China. They are, and you know what? They're not Zionists. It's so, mm. they actually are buying Israel's technology because China needs the better, you know, desalinization. Mm. They need the water. They need it, and Israel's coming up with it. Who needs this kind of so-called friendship that is um, that has some sort of strings attached to it? Or even as many Christian Zionists go, we're the only ones who support Israel. How come you don't let us convert everybody? <laughs> like what? Is there like yeah, some right. deal? Can't you just have this altruistic thing? I, look, many of them are very fine people, but you hear 
this refrain over and over. America gives Israel three and a half billion dollars in aid. So therefore, you, you know, like Israel needs three and a half billion dollars in aid because Israel does all these things that America demands. And therefore, it, it has placed itself in enormous jeopardy and needs $3.5 billion in military aid just to deal with the problems that American foreign policy causes Israel. Let's move on. Verse 11. <laughs> then Balak said to Bilam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you've blessed them bountifully. And he, and he answered and said, well, must I not heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? And then Balak thinks, well, you know, I'll take you to another place, and we'll go over here, and you can do it over here, and maybe this will work. And so he offers the bulls and the rams on the seven altars and all of those ones. And Balak said, Bilam says, I'm going to go and, you know, meet with the Lord and see what he says. And he does so, and uh, the Lord puts uh, the word in his mouth. He goes back to Balak, and this is what he says. He says to him, he takes up his oracle and says, Rise up, Balak, and hear, listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man. Yes. Everyone just take a moment, and if you've got a Christian translation at this point right now, just rip the New Testament out of the back. <laughs> God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has, he, he has said, and will he not do? He has spoken, and will he not make good? Behold, I have received a command to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. It says in verse 21, he has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord, his God, is with him. The shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. Uh, he, he hasn't observed iniquity in Jacob. He hasn't seen wickedness in Israel. That means as the nation of Israel, the nation of you know, one of the things that I kept saying to you is that that uh, you know we, we think all the if you people tend to watch the movie and figure out what happened with the golden calf. National Israel is faithful to the God of Israel, mm -hmm. but we actually see that it is though there is a segment of the Jewish people that turn against the God of Israel. Uh, um, Elijah did make the mistake of saying to God that all the Jews are worshiping Baal, but in fact, mm -hmm. corporate Israel is sacred, is holy, and uh, and the, the, the nation. And this of is Israel, it. So this, you know what this is. This is reminds me like my sons, for example. You know, if they do, you know, something that I have to correct them on, so I correct them. And I correct them privately at home, you know, and we, we, we sort things out. But when I'm out and about, if someone wants to, uh, you know, talk ill of my son or go up against my son or so, hey, my son's perfect in my eyes. Don't you even think about, uh, you know, it, 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 is it a bit like that? Yeah, I, well, yeah, but there is, I mean, there is a context here because we're going to encounter where, well, if the Jews are left alone without the blandishments of mm -hmm. others, they will, uh, they will do well. But you know, when they have the air of Rav, the the mixed multitude inside, and they're going, "Behold, this is your God." We're going to encounter very quickly, and again, it 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 it's so shoved in here to make it clear that when you have these outside forces that. Uh, that move in, in this case, who is sexual immorality. So then those outside forces can cause the Jewish people great destruction. But the Jewish people will remain as a nation, as a community. Then they will remain faithful. But I do tell people who say, look, I want to convert to Judaism, but I want to still continue to uh, uh, to live on the North Pole. I say, I don't know if it's a good idea. It's better to be a part of, be a part of the Jewish people. But again, the 
enemies of Israel, they see the good in Israel. They see the devotion of Israel. And you see it even today. You see the enemies of Israel. They say, oh, this, uh, these Zionists, they, they want all of... What do the enemies say? The enemies of Israel always say that Israel is a colonial country. Okay, so that's a... A, a way of being disparaging, and they want all the land of Israel. They don't want to give up. They don't really want a peace treaty. And when Bibi Netanyahu says that he wants a peace with the Palestinians, he's not being sincere. And he really, his agenda is that all the land of Israel belongs to the Jews, right? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. wow, that's interesting. So the wicked people, the enemies, the international solidarity movement, the most critical voices, which are like the Thomas Friedman of the New York Times, they say the most odious, they, they're really praising the Jews. I mean, I, I'm only, oh, I hope they're right. That people really, mm-hmm. is there, please God from your mouth to God's ears. But they, of course, are, have no interest in making Israel a better people. Mm-hmm. When I broadcast and I talk about what's going on in Israel, I'm critical of Israel every day. <laughs> you know, my sure. God, but no one ever would accuse me of being an anti-Semite. Why? No. Because they know I'm doing it to make the Jewish people better. But the Jewish people mm-hmm. are a unique nation, and it's a, that's corporate Israel. And that's why, if you notice, the, the word there is Jacob, the nation, corporate mm-hmm. Israel, not right. all the children of Israel. Saying, so that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, it means Yaakov, we're now called this, by these names. Go ahead. Verse 19, uh, just again, just to reiterate, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Just turning quickly to uh, Hosea chapter 11, verse 9, which says, For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. Right. Just for the sake of a cross-reference there. Verse 23. For, for Samuel fifteen twenty-nine. yes, of course. 29, okay, well, I'm looking at it now, and it says, uh, And also the strength of Israel will not lie, nor relents, for he is not a man that he should relents. Beautiful. Two cross-references. By the way, I'm holding my <laughs> my New King James Study Bible with uh, extensive cross-references, but they wouldn't give me either of those two there. Yeah. <laughs> and I did, you know, contrast these very graphic texts with what uh, uh, Christian, I'm not, I, I devoted my life to helping Christians. I mean, or else I'd be doing something else right now. But if you ask the Christian, you know, Trinity, why? They, you know, it's like this sketchy, God's name is in the plural, and an angel really means a little. I mean, graphic, man, this is it. It's very clear. You can't, the law, basic law of hermeneutics is if we have a graphic Texas in the light, you cannot kick out the foundation by an ambiguous text. That's in the dark. I mean, that's clearly what's happening. You cannot replace an, an exegesis with a nicer Jesus, and that's what Christians are doing <laughs> routinely. Right. 23, for there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. Uh, it now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, oh, what God has done. Look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts oh, up, oh, up like a By the way, lion. there's the word quarry, incidentally, and I don't know of a single v- same word of Psalm 22, verse 17 in the Jewish Bible, Psalm 22, 16 in the Christian Bible. Kari. Oh, look at that. It means like a lion in the King like James. Like a lion. How did it get like a lion? I thought it means pierced. There's no pierced. What happened to pierced? It's not there. And it's how come there. <laughs> <laughs> people are going to say, no, I'd have to read now because people are just, we can't get into it now, but people are wondering, what are you talking about? So it says, um, verse uh, 16, it says uh, in, in a Christian Bible, uh, Psalm twenty two sixteen. 16, for dogs have surrounded me. 
uh, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. And it says here in this translation, they pierced my hands and my feet, but that's not what it says. And here is actually a, a, a cross-reference for what it does say very quickly in a nutshell. Yeah, so, yeah, so what you have is what's called the crucifixion psalm, Psalm 22, because many of his passages are quoted in the Christian Bible. To be noted, this one isn't. But if you look at the, the uh, Christian, uh, the pamphlets put out by Jews for Jesus, they're always quoting. It says in Psalm 22, they pierced my hands and my feet, which certainly looks, sounds like a crucifixion. As it turns out, the passage was changed. King David, you could just start from 17 and go right through. He is using the animal motif routine regularly to, to as an il- illustration of his enemies who want to destroy him. He's speaking in the first person. Who would want King David's life in many ways? A predecessor that wanted to kill him, a wife who scorned him, a best friend mm-hmm. who betrayed him, a child that wanted to kill him. And so it says, like a lion, they're out of my hand and my feet. The church changes the word like a lion, even though the Hebrew says kari, which means like a lion. And here we see it right there in the passage in verse 9. And it changes it in in the Christian Bibles to read, they pierced my hands and my feet, which sounds Christological. One point I want to make that I never, I, I never made in public, and I'm going to do it now. I'm pretty sure I never said this. So Christians argue, no, the Jews change it. I, I'm going to take a second because I never have ever. I don't think I ever said this publicly. Mm-hmm. I don't know when or whoever did, but if it has been, I don't think anyone's ever said this before. So let me just say this: there are only two possibilities. The, the word kari means like a lion. Ari means a lion. Kari, the prefix means like a lion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Hakal in all the Christian Bibles, it says they pierce. Some who are more honest will put in in uh, a notation say lit means literally in Hebrew uh, uh, it'll say pierce but then there's a footnote that you need an electron yeah, I microscope a I got a footnote yeah, yeah. lit heb <laughs> it's like you need like an electron microscope it's a lit heb yeah, yeah no, I do I do I need a microscope to read yeah, it. a yeah. tiny little writing well, why don't says, you just uh, put why don't you just put like a line and put they pierced you know lit in vulgate no they don't want to do that because no one ever <laughs> reads this thing on the side but <laughs> I want to just do this that I've never done I've never seen anyone do but there is a very strange thing. It, it, it means either. So Christians claim the Jews changed it. Christians claim Psalm 22 really originally said they pierced my hands and feet. And the Jews changed it to like a lion there on my hands and my feet. Okay? We say no. The Hebrew is a clear word, as I've shown you, like a lion. And in the second century, the church changed it. Now you go, second century? What do you mean? Well, as it turns out, it's not ever quoted in the New Testament. That means the New Testament never quotes, they pierced my hands and my feet. Hmm. Are we, that means you heard that right. I'll just going to say it again. You can go through all 27 books of the Christian Bible. And I'll throw in a few extras to make your job easy, like the Gospel of Peter and some other other texts that weren't accepted mm-hmm. in the canon. They didn't quote it. Are you saying, are you suggesting that that all the writers of the New Testament saw they pierced my hand and my feet, and none of them thought that was a reading that was worthy of including in their New Testament? Are you insane? Right. That's I mean, I'm looking at my extensive cross-references now, and I've got Matthew 27, 35. 
New King James Christian translation is uh, Matthew 27, verse 35. It says they, they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled by... Which right, is spoken by the, that they, part they my garments, it's a different that, That's a totally different passage, right? So that means they can't... So let There's me, nothing. Just take my word. Right now, just take my word for it. It isn't anywhere in the Christian Bible. Do you really believe that whoever wrote the book of Matthew, we don't know, the book of Mark, we don't know, wrote it, is quoting all these things, misquoting texts, out of context, out of Egypt, they call my son, and they actually saw Psalm 22 say, they pierced my hands and my feet. They go, nah, I don't think so. I mean, no, change. no. <laughs> it's very clear. Everybody in the first century was looking at like a lion there on my hands and my feet and going, well, we can't do anything with that, so skip it. And then this actually does come up in the second century. I actually trace this with the church fathers, and this is actually suddenly pops. It's a second century alteration. But the key is, think for a moment. This would have been a charity. They would have flaunted. They pierced my hands and my feet everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. everywhere. I mean, do you really, I'm, I'm saying this to you, and if you're a Christian, I'm talking to you straight because I know you don't want applesauce garbage and you don't want to sit around with a guitar playing whatever, la la Do <laughs> you have to believe that all the writers of the Christian Bible saw, had in front of them, they pierced my hands and my feet, and they didn't think that was an important enough phrase to include in the New Testament to fulfill it. Mm. You, that's what you're suggesting. Do you really, do you, do you know how, how they would cherish a reading like that? How much they would have loved yeah, a reading within, like that? Within the church, you don't get to, to, to consider that as a, even a question doesn't enter your mind. Right. This is something well, why didn't that uh, a lot of listeners, a lot of listeners are thinking about Did it you right ever, now. Is this, I, I had this thought. Did you ever, uh, were you ever so intelligent to come up with such a, no, I'm just, did you ever, did this ever strike you as a, like no, it never. We I, you never ever I, you, in the church you never ever think but about don't it. Say, the only did you time, ever hear a Jewish apologist make this point? Did you ever hear this the, the Jewish? I no one. I just was thinking about this like a couple of years ago, <laughs> and I just started researching it because it's not in the New Testament. Then I finally I, I had a, a scholar of New Testament, and we start of the Church Fathers, not really the New Testament. We started. Try, I said. I want to know which church father is the first guy who, who does this. It actually pops up at the end of the second yeah. century. That means, right. so wait, if it, you're saying, you Christians are saying that this was in the Septuagint, it was in the Hebrew, the Jews changed it. Really? That means that in the first century, all these Christians are reading, they pierced my hands and my feet, and no one thought that was a good enough verse to quote. But they're quoting, you know, at a, you know, he shall be called the Nazarene. That's good enough, you know, which doesn't mm. exist. But doesn't exist. Uh, are you insane? That means obviously, if Christian, if new, t- somebody wrote the Christian Bible, we don't know who. We know, of course, Paul wrote at least seven letters. That we can say for sure. You're saying none of them thought that kind of a phrase would be valuable enough to include in the New Testament. That you, do you understand how much propofol propo you have to drink to believe that? Do you, <laughs> you understand what a stretch well, that is? That, but again, so well, now there, there, there's a so. lot of people that are listening to the program that have never considered this before. And just to bring the bring the point back, uh, verse 24 of Numbers chapter 23 uses the phrase "like a lion," and what Toby is saying is that is exactly the same phrase. Identical. That is identical in Psalm chapter 22, again, verse if 16. If you don't read Hebrew, this is very important because you can actually go to 
way, Hebrew Bible online is free, you know. Yeah. And look at the shapes of the letters. Just look the at letters. it. I, just so you know. You, you know can what? Check, even, check this out. Even to make it easier, even to make it easier, people, if you haven't got the book and you are and you don't know about this, you can see it's, Tobia has put it together so very concisely in his book. What do you call it? But it is <laughs> called Marvel Comics. No, let's get biblical. Yeah, that's, that's it. Spider-Man. Chapter <laughs> no, no. It's called uh, Let's Get Biblical. Why doesn't Judaism accept the Christian Messiah Volumes 1 and 2? And it's all outlined for you there. Right. So uh, you can get it from outreachjudaism.org right. or so Amazon. Wait. So we better move on. We got to move on. But just as you said the question, you're saying this was what people saw in the text. They pierced my hands and my feet. And somehow no Christian thought that was a good, that was interesting enough to do it. Although every missionary today seems to think it's one of the best texts to use. Isn't it? So, I mean, obviously, in the first century, there was no such reading as they pierced really? my hands. Well, of course. If That's they did, obvious they to me now. Right? <laughs> Thank God for me. <laughs> Just like, because there's only two possibilities. Somebody's lying. It said one or the other. Well, if it said they pierced my hands and my feet, you have to you have to take your frontal lobe and your vernal co- cortex or whatever it is and flush it in the toilet to believe that Christian writers are reading that and go, eh, that's not really good enough. We'd rather go with, you know, behold the virgin shall conceive. You know, what? <laughs> they would have, of course, included Never that. They would have jumped on that. They would have been all over that. Okay, let's Until you read the book. I mean, got to read the book. Who's telling the okay, truth? So, let's go. So, let's oh. go, verse 25. So Balak, again, says to Balaam, neither curse them at all or bless them at all. If you're going to bless them, can you go away? Yeah. But for some reason, for some reason, Toby, he says, he says, he doesn't say get out of here. He says, say, tell you what, maybe it'll work better if we go over here. So they go over to a third place. They offer the seven bulls and seven rams on the well, seven the, altars. The, they do all of those ones. There, there is a little point here is that they're going to different places and they are seeing visions, portents, because they are using sorcery, and this is very important. You could uh, mock uh, the uh, the speaking in tongues by the charismatics. The Torah does, doesn't do that, really. I'm sardonic. The Torah is not. The Torah is going, you know, they actually were, were able to, using their uh, witchcraft or whatever it was, the sorcery, were able to actually see things. So they're going to go to the mountain of power. They actually see that something bad is going to happen. They misread it because sorcery ain't perfect. So they don't realize that, well, actually Moses is going to die there. They know just it's there's something ominous in these places. Mm-hmm. But they don't get okay. what is ominous is going on. So that's where they're going. Oh, we'll, we'll whiz past that, but go ahead. So he's, he's, he's scraping the bottom of the barrel. He's trying everything and uh, to, to use the sorcery. And uh, verse 2 of chapter 24, Bilam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Yeah. And then he. Yeah, yep. That's the first time, incidentally, that we have. It means up until now, just a language point, you know, Bilam, you know, Bilam happens upon hearing God, but here now, now we have the fullest and most pregnant mm. and. Uh, yeah. uh, passages that are known to all the children of Israel, where God's and Spirit literally infuses him with this in- intense prophecy. And, and again, I, I can't help, I have to say this to you. We have been, and this is because you can't get Bola completely unless you have the context. 
the Jews have been getting beaten and beaten and messing up and messing up. And if you didn't have Bullock, what would the Torah look like? I mean, if you didn't have this, you go, wow, the Jews are really just a mess. Bullock is stepping in also to give you a range of, well, the Jewish people are unique, they're holy. And in fact, the Jewish people got it from their mistakes in that they did in Korach and so on. Why should you be high? Why should you be low? Why should you have the priesthood? But no, the children of Israel now are intense. They're... they're their meaning their their tents are placed according to our tradition in a way that one wouldn't look into somebody else's tent, but every family was together, everybody knew their place, the Levite families got it, they learned from their errors and therefore everyone was in their appropriate role, yes. ecclesiastical role. Matoivu Yaakov, how goodly, how wonderful your tents, Jacob Mishkanisecha Yisrael, um the, the dwelling places of Israel. This is long-range prophecy of how unique Kalal Yisrael is among the world. Go ahead. So he, uh, the Lord, the Spirit of God comes upon Bil'am. He takes up his oracle and he says, the utterance of Bil'am, who's uh, the son of Be'or, the utterance of a man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out like gardens by the river side like aloes planted by the lord like cedars besides these are fragrant fragrant mm. things and these are plants that bring healings aloe yeah these are plants that have, have this is the nature of israel that really brings a healing to the world a light to nations Bilam is now going to in front of us he's actually uh what's going to pour out now is a, a a brief history of the Jewish people. So he's going to mm. see the destruction of Amalek. He's going to see uh, the salvation of the Jewish people, the enemies of Israel, how they will fall. That's what we're having here. Time. I mean, this is really. We'd spend hours on going through this, but that's what's happening. Ah, here. but this is this is just so great. I have to read it. It says, uh, verse seven: He shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be. Now, this is interesting. This is this is verse seven. His king shall be higher than Agag. And his kingdom shall be exalted. Now, Agag, correct me if I'm wrong, but yes. it was Samuel that hacked Agag to pieces, right? Yes, and it yes, was sir. after it was after Saul, the king, the first king of Israel, uh, who spared Agag and some of the choice. Uh, yes, herds but Saul of, defeated Agag. This is important. He did defeat okay. him, but he didn't kill him. And this is where we get uh, the, Samuel saying to right. to obey is better is. than sacrifice. But this is very important. Uh, Amalek is defeated by Saul. Saul mm. didn't finish it off. Like one person is taking actually capture, and mm. that is Agag. Agag is not victorious in any way. He has been defeated, but Saul did not carry out the word of Hashem. And didn't the, finalize it. And, and, and just so you get it, the the real error of Saul was his response to Samuel's complaint. And we can see that when you contrast how David handles when he mm-hmm. is confronted with his own sin. That's the key. He says, oh, I have sinned, yes. uh, is what David says. But, but Saul, Saul says, saying, oh, ah, come on, just come with me and let's make things look good. And let's, you know, that's the but it's different. Yeah, that's the difference. So uh, verse 8, God, God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows he now by the way just curiously pierce them with his arrows is that karu oh no the chitz of yim chutz 
which means um, means that uh, 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 so this is really if I hyper translate it as their arrows will arrow them so you'll be thoroughly this is through it. this is what he's saying even every if I would write a translation I wouldn't write their arrow would arrow them okay yeah, yeah, okay. Well, then there's a difference between a formal translation and a dynamic translation. We don't have time to get into that, but verse 9, he bows down, he lies, oh, he, okay, again, he bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. Again, as you mentioned earlier on, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Right, and one point I want to make for those who just don't understand, there are many words for curse, and we've actually seen a number of unusual words for curse, and some that are very very common. The word curse when here is again, this is too important to, to I've said it before. The Hebrew, biblical Hebrew is a very small language. Words therefore have multiple meanings. Mm. There is many ways to say curse and we've encountered them. However, when you have the word curse as an uh, those who curse you, aror, the word aror means they'll be cursed, but also means I will shine light on them. I want to explain this just 60 seconds because it's too important. Sure. There are people listening to the show who maybe in your youth, maybe you cursed the Jews, maybe you weren't always this way, maybe you were in a church and had nothing and you cursed Israel. It could be. And God at the moment could have been judged, could have judged you, but he didn't. What he did, he gave you a little kiss. And he brought light in your life, and now you, you, you now you 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 love the Jewish people. He didn't give up on you. That is the nature of the arur, because arur has also the word or in it. So therefore, arur could be read two ways: either it will be cursed, but really, it's the kind of thing where it says, "Wait, I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to shed some light on you." And that's why it says earlier on in Genesis 12, so you umakalelcha, those who curse, that's curse, or I'm going to infuse light. And that's what, so when you see Arur and you get the Hebrew, mm. there is a double thing that Hashem is, does not give up on those who curse Israel and keeps testing them and testing them. And we've seen it here, we've seen it with Pharaoh, God's doing it all. Why is this redemption taking so long? Why don't we just have the Messiah come? Why? Because how many of you listen to the show right now, three years ago, didn't care about Israel? And, mm. and now you do because you're seeing God's wonders and miracles. There is a prolonged redemption taking place in a Seder, hence the name of the meal, in order that people might repent. And how many of you listening to the show today have repented in a few years? Because God has not dealt with you in judgment, but he brought a little light in your life mm. so that now you have, you have now kissed the God of Israel and, and bless the nation of Israel. Brilliant. That's very important. Go ahead. So Balak is absolutely frustrated beyond belief. He strikes his hands together and says, "What the? What are you doing? You've blessed them three times bountifully. You've, you've blessed them." And Balaam says to Balak, "Did did I not also speak to your messengers, whom you sent to me, saying, if Balak were to give me his the hint again, his full house, his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond." the word of the Lord to do good or bad of my own will. What the Lord says, that I must speak. And there is uh, a, a just, a, and just a little point here. You know, we sometimes find those that are not favorable to Israel. You have European leaders go, 
We are fully supportive of Israel's security. Stand by Israel. And we're making a deal with Iran. You know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of talk. And those are the people you have to worry about. So, but he is technically correct. You know, they did deliver the Iron Loan system to Israel, but... Uh, Great, but what you're doing is you're making a deal with the devil, which is ultimately presents an existential threat to Israel. God will save us from that. But, but, okay, so it says, now indeed I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to be with my people, uh, but before I go, I'm going to advise you, he says, uh, what this people will do to your people in the latter days. In, in so Jewish tradition, actually, Bilaam, see, there's a lot of people around, but if you notice the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, it actually... Um, it's to you singular. It doesn't come out in English. Like Bilaam kind of says, um, Bilaam, uh, come here for a moment. I don't want to make this whole speech in front of everyone. I'm going to give you a little advice, and that is you're, you're in for a lot of trouble here. And then he's going to give this prophecy. But well, Let's mm, continue. And, and this is what he says. So he, he takes up the oracle, and he said, The utterance of Balaam, the son of, Be- of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are wide open, the utterance of him who hears the word of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, he sees vision of the Almighty who, uh, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, yeah. but not now. I behold him. But not near. A star shall come out of uh, out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. So let's stop there for a second. Yeah. So uh, here we have a, a passage that has multiple overlays. I don't think it's possible. Uh, to of course we could see this being fulfilled in the immediate future, Second Samuel chapter eight, where Moab is destroyed. In fact, everybody ultimately gets us and judges the Midianites who go wiped out under Gideon and so on. But of course, when we see the the great ultimately arise and shine for your light has come, when you see the word scepter, you think Davidic covenant. When you're seeing prophecy. Mm-hmm. Of this, of course, we do know that ultimately in the end of days, which is a language that's actually imbued in these passages, that up until now, I'd like you to think about it this way. Up until now, God has kept every single one of his promises, but it is the completeness of it is not fulfilled. As we stand and speak today, uh, the Temple Mount is still desecrated with with Mm -hmm. vile abominations. So therefore, there is always the ultimate that this will be fulfilled, that all of Israel's enemies not temporarily will be uh, destroyed, but completely destroyed, or brought to Aor, which means will bless the Jewish people at the end of days. And that's ultimately where this is all going, because this is not and this, about... And this is generally understood, I think, is it fair to say, this is generally understood as uh, a, a messianic prophecy. This is referring to the Messiah. Um, oh, yes, many of might, course, might of speculate. Course. And Christians okay. use this. They, they got, you know, they do. You know, they use this, but stopping things of these things didn't happen. That means the enemies of Israel are doing well. The world is wicked. The enemies of Israel are emboldened. Edom is plotting Israel's destruction and demise. Uh, it is supplying its enemies, n- not just with physical weapons, and, and but giving them courage to move on, to destroy Israel, calling Israel to divide the land. These were not filled by any Messiah. So just 
understand that. Don't mm. just say, oh, this a star a will go. There is attachment. This means something. These words are not empty words that you just pour into it and say, oh, this mm. refers to the star. And Matthew, stop it. Look at the context. This means the total defeat of the enemies of Israel, which, yes, uh, the, the judges and the great kings of Israel were able to, uh, 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 God has given them so much power and his, his might, the might of Hashem worked through uh, King David. But ultimately, the final destruction of Edom, as we see in Habakkuk, as we see in, the, in all the great passages, has happened in the Messianic Age, and it has not yet happened. However, if someone doesn't see that this is about to happen and all of this is now before our eyes, then I think you're blind. So it goes, speaking of Edom, it says, And Edom shall be a possession, Seir also his enemy shall be a possession, while Israel does valiantly, out of Jacob one shall have dominion and destroy the, re- the remains of the city. Then he looked on Amalek, and he took up his oracle and said, Amalek was first among the nations, but shall be last until he perishes. Yeah, and, he looked and, at- and I just, for those we can, what does it mean, first among the nations? We have a lot of firsts, like Israel's firstborn. What, what first means, Amalek really was the first anti-Semitism, the first, where there is no explanation for it. Amalek is evil. I mean, you might say, in fact, you don't even, this is not a stretch, Pharaoh is worried about, wait, I don't want to give up all these slaves. I mean, there's something. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Pharaoh has some incentive to want to maintain this very convenient free labor. Like, Amalek, like, what's your deal? You know, this reminds me a lot in, in Israel. You have these psychos from the Netherlands who stand there with video cameras in Hebron or somewhere right. in the Judean Samaria with their ponytails and their earrings, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, I mean what you think. And they're trying to find something where they can film something out of context that makes Israeli soldiers look bad. Yep. Like, what is mm. Norway? Like, I maybe understand Siri's upset about the Golan Heights, okay? By the way, everybody, that would have been pretty dumb to give up the Golan Heights, given that Syria's going down. Like, now, then what would yeah. happen? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah that was a right. brilliant move, like giving up the Golan Heights to a, a mm. country that's about to evaporate and be divided mm. into 17 cantons. Yeah, that would have been a sharp move, right? So, yeah. uh, but anyways, like, what is, this is the Amalek. The Amalek, there is no explanation for it. It doesn't make sense. And that's that's why we do see, even though we see the burdens that God has for Egypt and so on, there is, uh, Isaiah does say that some of them will repent because, all right, maybe the people, the Arabs are a little, they're humiliated by the defeats of the Jews, whatever they feel, whatever, I don't know. But what right. the heck are you doing there from Norway? How did Oslo, <laughs> were you fashtinking to Episcopalian church? And I don't care if Hillary Clinton comes and bombs my house. I'm going to say it anyway. The Episcopal, what is your fashtinking of business? What's going on? It's not your business, not your job. And if you want to go boycott China and stop using your apples, which are made in China, I mean, who that are occupying your fake frauds, phonies. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> I don't mean to be disparaging. On the Kenites. And he took up his oracle and said, Firm is your dwelling place, and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain, I've got Cain shall be burned. How long until Ashur carries you away captive? Right. These are the sense of Jethro. We can't get it to too long, but they do suffer along with the Jewish people. They're very praiseworthy and so on. You'll find this in, 
in, in allusion to this in Judges chapter 4, you find this in a number of places, but ultimately they are blessed. These are the sons of Jethro, but along with the Jews, they suffer quite a bit. Yeah, but ultimately, they're restored. Then, uh, then he took up his oracle and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from the coasts of Cyprus, and they shall afflict Ashur and afflict Eber, and so shall Amalek until he perishes. So Bilam arose and departed and returned to his place. Balak also went his way. Yeah. So there we wow. have the end. So as we see, if if from the from uh, cursing people, cursing that's not going to work, you know. Mm. But what can work is 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 Jews behaving badly. Then we can bring a very serious right now. Uh, we're now in chapter twenty-five, and as you pointed out at the beginning, Tobia. Uh, it then jumps into a story that seems unrelated. It jumps it, into a story really, that seems like it belongs to the next Torah it's portion. A, and it's not just, I want to make this, qualify this. It's so violent that this doesn't belong there superficially. It's not just, it. it, it, it is completely a part of the story that follows in Pinchas, which is next week's portion, but it's, it is exactly the uh, we've just heard the greatest praise of the Jewish people, and in a way, there's great relief because the Jews are really struggling in order to get their act together. We we mm-hmm. and in ways that I think many people are going. You know, if I'd been in the desert, I wouldn't have done that. Well, mm-hmm. so what happens is it, it's impossible to ignore the fact that. If you want to get to the Jews, try cursing them, but do bring in immorality in the Jews and ball into the Jews and let them mess themselves up. The Jews are bulletproof from others, but they're not bulletproof from themselves. I'll, I'll say this last thing, then we can, can tie this up. You know, mm-hmm. if you go to the Guardian, this or <laughs> you know, this, the newspaper, international newspaper in England, which is one of the most highly esteemed. In newspapers in the world, news sources in the world, on international news, the New York Times, equally, these are the major go-to things for international news. They, they look at the names of the writers, Rosenberg, Ginsburg, Shapiro, looks like a phone book out of Brooklyn. I mean, <laughs> says, are there any Gentiles they let in there? So what's happened is, you know, the guy is not important. It's what the Jews do to themselves. You know, who are... You know, you take uh, just this last one, Christopher Hitchens, who's now dead. I'll talk about mm-hmm. him. Well, I don't care if he's dead. He can't start up with me. But Christopher Hitchens, <laughs> major anti-force of anti-Israel, wrote a book with Saeed. He was a pro-Palestinian Marxist lunatic and so on. As it turns out, when his brother was getting married to a Jewish girl, Peter, his grandma says, by the way, you might as well know, you know, you're Jewish too. Well, what do you know? <laughs> you know, anyways, let's go. Yeah, there it is. Verse chapter 25, it goes like this. Israel remained in Acacia Grove and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor uh, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the of the people and oh, and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. 
And so Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you uh, kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children uh, of Israel came and presented to his brethren the Midianite woman. Yeah, yeah. this is quite a significant visual. This is not like the janitor came. (laughs) In the sight of Moses, in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, now Pinchas, the man of the moment, the son of Eleazar, who is now the high priest, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation, he took a javelin in his hand, he went in after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both them through, the man of Israel so we, and the woman through her so body. Right. That means that, and I the mean, plague was stopped. I mean, have to there is a quaint to Jewish tradition that when when Bilaam pulled Bullock aside, he kind of said to him, look, if you want to get to the Jews, this is the way to get them from the inside. But mm. the key point is you have this, this one individual, which we're going to meet a little bit, this is a guy who's having a public act of of immorality. I, I don't know how else to say it. To the point that he publicly—I mean, could you imagine publicly—is there? Most people like I don't know, check into a hotel or motel. I'm not an expert on this, but no, they're publicly. And Eliezer went and 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 uh, pierced them through, which is what That's what halted the the plague among the children of Israel. Mm. And so, it, you know, it's interesting. Um, the uh, in, in the New Testament, the book of Revelation actually throws in a little bit of speculation here. Oddly enough, in chapter 2, verse 14, it says, but I have a few things against you because you have uh, there those who hold the doctrine of Bilam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Right. Uh, this tradition actually eat. makes its way, as many other traditions yeah. may, does make its way into so it the Christian to eat world. sacrifices to and, uh, right. to idols and right. to commit sexual that means morality. This, this, is, this is a... Uh, all over Jewish literature, from beginning mm-hmm. to end, Bilam is 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 wicked. But it, the people who are not dangerous is Charles Manson, because they have Charles Manson has a swastika on his forehead. On his forehead, it's the guys right. who don't have the swastika on their forehead. Who, so it's as if you know, it's as if listen. Oh, he says to Balak, I, "I can't curse them. I can only say what but, I can say." But, and now I'm going back. But I tell you what, yeah. if you really want to get to them, this is this is this the way. Is, you do this it. is the way you destroy us. And in fact, this is, I, I don't want to, whatever, I don't want to get, but, but you know, for a long time, the White House, you know, Michael Oren just came out of his books, there's no secret. For a long time, the White House, you know, Obama obviously hated Israel, everyone figured it out. If you got a, a pastor who's saying, burn America and destroy Israel, I mean, and you're writing your book based on him, what, what do you think who's who, the influence on him? And what's happening is, is that Obama is like, at first, very hostile to Israel, Bible has to come in to like the bathroom from the back, and then people are going to Obama, you know, you got to sort of like uh, put on Yamka and celebrate Hanukkah with them and throw a dreidel yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like starting <laughs> to get it, but it's a little too late because yeah. he's really burnt his bridges. So this tradition, like so many, like Isaiah was killed by Menashe, we do find that in the Christian Bible. It means this is known, very well known, that, that uh, mm. but Bilam is pulling Bullock aside and saying, look, if you want to get to Jews, this is how you get them. Don't sit there and ask me to curse them from the outside. It's never going to work. And David Duke is not dangerous. The Ku Klux Klan, I'm not afraid of them. 
I'm scared of the guys who said I support Israel and I completely have Israel's back and all options are on the table because we and they get applause and then they go we're not sending in we're not going to bomb Iran we're not we're, we're and we are now very close perhaps I don't know but we we are close to a possible agreement between America and the European Union the world powers and Iran that would enable Iran to have it. Now, I think it's a blessing. I'm not going to get into this, but I think that this actually forces Israel's hand because I just want to show you how Hashem may work. I, I, I don't do this normally, but this could be a very big blessing because if the sanctions were in place, then Iran would have to freeze its program, which means that, uh, you know, that it would hold on to it. But by doing this, which means Iran's going to go on and on, there is only one choice, and I believe, you agree with me, it's fine, but I believe the only way to destroy Iran's nuclear program is to destroy it militarily. I don't believe any sanctions of any type will actually yeah, stop, because these guys are real believers. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, right. um, this is Beyond that, this is all about the future. And, it's, and this is the, and now unfortunately our, our Torah portion then ends on a low note after Pinchas gets up and ends this, uh, this uh, um, abomination. The plague, it says, so the plague was stopped among the children of Israel and those who died in the plague were 24,000, Toby. I remember yeah. it wasn't that long ago that we saw that 14,700 died, but here 24,000 bang as a result of uh, uh, the engagement with Moab in Idolatry yeah, and well, well, one, one, one point. Do we have a second? But it's just of too course. big. Okay. Uh, you go, wow, that's really rough. This is very important because I have to teach you how to learn scripture. It, as it turns out, you will find in the book of Ezra, the Jews did something somewhat similar. They were sleeping with non-Jewish women. They don't get killed. They don't get stabbed. They're told just to send them away. Mm. Why the difference? Somewhat the same act and a very different outcome. It is important mm. to recognize the big picture of how God deals with people. People are judged based on what they knew and what they yeah. should have known. The 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 the, uh, the the people who were in the wilderness, who ate man every, every day, uh, saw the pillar of fire and the cloud that hovered above them, mm. they were held to a very high account. And so more was expected. Right. So yeah. don't get confused going, well, why in the other places do the same thing? And the same thing I say to you, somebody asks me, well, what's going to happen to my mother who's still a Christian, who died a Christian? Is she going to go, I mean, was she worshipping idolatry? Shouldn't judge a person based on what they knew and understood. And that's the point I want to say, because I get that question all the time from people who ask questions, well, what happens to my grandmother? I loved her so much. She was a Christian. She raised me a Christian. Hashem judges every person based on what they knew and did not know. How do you know? You think I'm just saying because I don't want you to feel bad and I want you to cry? No, I'm telling you scripture. That's why this generation is called the Dor Hamidbar, was judged very severely. There is no generation prior or after that was judged as severely as this because they saw the revelations and therefore they were held to a very high account. These Zionists who were the Sheva Vetzion who came to build the second temple were not even keeping Shabbos. They didn't even know from Shabbos. They, 42,000 came into the land and they were non-observant Jews. Very much reminds us of the Zionists who came to build now the third commonwealth. Mostly not mm. religious. God deals with them a little bit different, very differently than the way. This is the Doha Midbar. So the standard is the same, but God judges every person based on what they should have known. Yeah, there it is. 
Thank you, my friend. That ends our Torah portion, and uh, thank you, Rabbi Tobias Singer. Now we touched on a lot of uh, a lot of things that we didn't really uh, do justice to because they were uh, sort of peripheral to the Torah portion. But you can find them in great detail in Tobias' books. Why doesn't Judaism accept the Christian Messiah? Volumes one and two. OutreachJudaism.org. You can get them there. You can get it on Amazon. And also, don't forget to go to TobiasSinger.tv. You'll find all of his videos there as well. Thank you, my friend, for coming back on. Always, sweetheart. Always a pleasure. Shabbos, we should only merit to see the coming of Mashiach quickly in our time. And we should we should only, all of us, be together dancing in Jerusalem, welcoming in the final redemption. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Thank you, my friend. We're going to be continuing next week in Pinchas. Until then, dear listeners, be blessed and be set apart by the truth of our Father's word. Shalom. Hey, dear listeners, Jono here reminding you that we are returning to Israel with Rabbi Tobia Singer, and we want you to come with us this November. Go to truthtoyou.org and click on the Tanakh Tour of Israel and join us as we walk where judges, kings, priests, and prophets made history in the Holy Land. Seats are limited, so don't delay the Tanakh Tour of Israel this November on truthtoyou.org.